This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So I recently saw a tweet about how value investors were making 20% a year in the early 2000s. And that was a little striking to me because most of us think of the early 2000s as the dot-com bust and basically stocks going nowhere for about a decade. And a lot of people actually call that decade the lost decade. So I saw a stat that said on March 31st, 2000, Growth stocks had outperformed the prior year, five years, 10 years, and 15 years. So basically for the almost the entire secular bull market of 1981 to 2000, growth stocks outperformed value. And then especially at the end of that bull in you know 1995 to 2000 when the dot coms and internet and tech stocks started raging remember we all wanted to buy yahoo and dell and microsoft those stocks really propelled the growth story and value uh just fell off the face of the earth at the end of the 1990s uh, that's when warren buffett was being mocked because he didn't own microsoft cisco or dell and they all said he was old, you know, his time had passed, all of that was happening. And then we got the dot-com bust. So again, most of us remember 2000 to 2013, Those that's actually the secular bear. It did not end in 2009 because uh, even though that's when the huge sell-off from the Great Recession ended, and started to see the rebound there. But it wasn't until 2013 that stocks, the S&P 500, again hit its all-time high that it hit there in 2007. So it had to take that out before we started the actual next cycle, the secular bull. So we had 13 years of just kind of waiting and holding and uh, trying to get a, another breakout. But like I said, many forget that until at least 2008, it was a good decade for value stocks. And that's where that person was tweeting out about how people were making 20% a year. So while all the growth stock investors and those in tech, myself included, because I had bought some Microsoft in 2000, that you know we were all crying in our coffee for part of that decade but the value stock investors were not. So what did work in that decade? The banks, again, before the Great Recession, it was a good time to be a bank investor. Energy, because crude was surging and then hit all-time highs in 2008. But gold and the miners, like copper and silver, all soared in that decade as well. Gold uh, actually was so popular that they were they launched the gold ETF in the middle of that decade. So you could not buy the GLD or the GDX or these gold ETFs or the SLV for silver until the middle part of that decade. And then if you did, you doubled or tripled your money within the, the next like five to seven years or so. So we kind of look down on gold right here as, oh, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything, even though it's trading right around that 2000 level now. But when the ETF launched, I think it was around like 600 or so for the GLD. And so you see you did 
see some big gains in it during that time period. So um, it's easy to think now about uh, what's going on out there and to really get focused on those tech stocks. So I'm recording this on April 20th, which is the day after Netflix reported its earnings and actually had subscriber losses globally for the first time in over 10 years. And so the stock is down big, people are freaking out. Uh, we had the sell-off already here in 2022 in the meta platforms. That one had a big sell-off, not so much in some of the other FANG names, uh, but they haven't reported yet, so we're waiting to see. But some of this is reminding me a bit of this time period. So um, in the early 2000s, like I said, I bought Microsoft shares in 2000, um, along with ExxonMobil, actually. But I saw it as an opportunity on any of the pullbacks and that weakness we had in 2000. I added more shares in 2001 and even 2002 as the shares declined because I was in this thing called Share Builder which doesn't exist anymore and is now owned by E-Trade um, or now Morgan Stanley owns it through E-Trade. But it was a kind of a cool investing uh, platform where you could put in a little bit of money every month and you got like a certain number of trades that you could do and you could buy you know $100 a month of certain stocks or or more you could buy $200 or $50 whatever you decided and you built the shares that's why it was called share builders so you just continued to add the shares so i was doing this thinking oh i'm a genius these shares are getting more cheaper uh for microsoft but uh Unbeknownst to me, at the same time, I was buying ExxonMobil and APA, as it's now called, which is ticker APA, at that time. I've talked about this on other podcasts, about my energy uh, debacles <laughs> during this time. But I did get kind of lucky in uh, deciding to buy into the energy sector because it was one of the ones that worked in that decade, at least up through 2008. And it had a big bull run along with, uh, like I said, the banks and several other value type areas. So all was not lost that decade, but we were still obsessed with tech in both 2000, even in 2001, as it became clear that this was not the same market as the 1990s. And then even in 2002, as the tech stocks continued to sink and the NASDAQ continued to decline, but we were still obsessed. It literally took you know, that entire bear market in technology and even several years after that before some people finally threw in the towel and uh, you know, sold out of or stopped buying into their tech stocks. All the while, we did have the bulls running in these other areas. So um, it's, it was an interesting time period because growth stock investors still remember and still think that that was like one of the worst decades and it was for them but not for the value investors so after a bull run of these kinds of magnitudes like 1981 to 2000 or possibly even the 12 uh, 2013 to 2021 uh, market that 
it takes years to change the focus. So it's human nature to think that what worked for the prior 20 years will keep working. Look at Netflix stock. It has been one of the best, if not the top best performing stock of the last 20 years. It made people millionaires who bought it in those original years, uh, in 2002, 2003, 2004, even if you waited longer to 2012, you still made a ton of money owning Netflix. But uh, maybe you won't going forward. I don't know. I have no crystal ball to <laughs> tell me. I wish I did about what's going to happen with some of these big winners of the last decade, um, including Amazon and Meta platforms. But I'm having a little bit of deja vu with what happened back in 2000, where we were all focused still on watching these tech stocks, thinking we were getting deals. And meanwhile, there was bulls running elsewhere. Now, again, I just got lucky and I was buying those bulls early on in that decade. But as my other podcast said, um, I, I didn't sell out in time. So um, I got kind of burned there on my market timing on these more cyclical value stocks. But there are bulls running again right now. So we're all obsessing over the big drop in Netflix, over the pullback in meta platforms that started earlier this year, even in 2022, over the big sell-offs in the Kathy Wood stocks over the last year. Um, so we're all obsessing about all these things, but the bulls are running in the value stacks and most investors are ignoring them. But I know those of us on the value side are not. Now, some of them are in areas that for um, your own reasons, you don't want to invest in them and neither does the street. And the, the biggest category for those would be energy that's one of the big bulls and it is still charging, but I know many of you hate it for climate change reasons, ESG reasons, what, you know, a multitude of reasons. And so you will not own those stocks. But another area that's also charging that's in a similar category as energy, which is the commodities, are the miners. And I used to own those by about 2005 when that GLD launched. Um, I was buying a lot of the miner stocks. So looking at them again all these years later, this is also giving me some deja vu because I'm like, they're back. Um, a lot of these miners all and these commodity stocks all run in cycles together. So it's not surprising that, you know, copper, gold, nickel, all of this is uh, surging at the same time crude is and at the same time the fertilizers are on the agriculture side. Remember, I've talked about in the past with the agriculture stocks. Yes, that's another valuable that those um, on the fertilizers, those charged in 2008 and had record highs then as well. We've taken a look at Mosaic, for instance. MOS is the ticker there. They uh, charged in 2008, and that was the last time that they were at those highs. So, And they're charging again right now. So it's not surprising. All of these are charging again. And um, I'm looking at all of them again, and I own a bunch of them once again. So those are the areas that value investors need to be focused on. I'm not saying there aren't going to be some deals on the tech side. I'm keeping track of a list 
of my favorite growth stocks because eventually they will get cheap enough and I will want to say, hey, you know, this this is looking interesting, but if that decade, the lost decade, tells us anything about growth stocks, it can take a long time for the growth stocks to recover from, uh, you know, this kind of, I wouldn't call it downturn, but a shift from a bull to a bear, which I do think is possibly happening here in 2022. But another area, if you just hate all the miners and the commodities and you're like, no, Tracy, I'm not buying any of those, give me something else, is the banks. I know many of you think like, oh, the banks, they're so boring. They are still um, perfectly positioned to have big breakouts in the next coming years to raise those earnings because the Fed is going to be raising rates pretty aggressively here. Their net interest margin will rise on most of them, and this will be a good opportunity to own the banks again, um, maybe similar to what happened in the 2000s, minus the mortgage-backed uh, securities craziness and all of that. But uh, right now, they're all very well capitalized because of the oversight by the Federal Reserve after the financial crisis. Um, they all are paying pretty good dividends, and some of those may be rising in the next couple of years. So I still just really love the banking sector, and it's kind of down on its luck here in 2022. I keep, uh, you know, getting, you know, disgusted by what's happening with some of these stocks because they shouldn't be declining here, but some of them are. And you know what that means? That means it's a buying opportunity for those of us as value investors. So some some of the banks I even own here in my Zacks portfolios, some of the insiders have been buying at the banks. Some of those have been down a little over 10% off of uh, you know earlier highs. And so it's that's the correction that is a buying opportunity. And some of them are weak even on decent earnings reports, also telling you that they are out of favor. So we love out of favor areas and yes, the banks are still among them. And yes, as I just mentioned, I know you are like, this is boring. The banks are nothing, but they're only boring right now while no one's paying any attention, right? Because energy used to be boring and agriculture used to be boring too, but not so boring anymore as those bulls are definitely let loose and charging and no sign of slowing down. So on these little mini pullbacks, um, it's a good time to either add to positions or start new ones. So on the banks, you don't have to be a genius, right? Um, there's thousands of banks out there. Everybody likes to think, oh, there's only like five or six. No, that's just because we keep hearing about, you know, JP Morgan and Bank of America. Those are the biggest banks with a little bit different type of business than the smaller regionals or even the local community banks, which is just literally lending to that small you know, business down the street. So these all have kind of different business models. Make sure you know what you're buying when you're buying one of the banks. So don't be a genius, as John Blank always says. We know what the uh, most prominent and well-regarded banks are on the big side. So there is, of course, J.P. Morgan Chase. JPM, it's down nearly 20% here in 2022. So it's on sale. Bank of America, also been weak. BAC is the ticker there. 
Keycores, one of my favorite of the regional banks, ticker KEY, PNC Financial. Everybody loves it. Warren Buffett used to own it until he decided to sell all of his banks. That could be bad timing. He, he could have made a mistake there a couple of years ago, even though I was raging for years, he was overweighted in the banks, which he was, but then he sold and now the things are turning around for the banks. But PNC is the ticker, PNC Financial. Comerica, another one I like, it's in Texas. That's a big growth market, also in Michigan, a couple other states, but uh, Comerica, CMA, I've talked about them in the past. And then I do want to mention on energy, even if you hate it, um, but if you hate it, but you're willing to buy into it, you don't have to be a genius with energy either. Buffett has bought Occidental Petroleum in the last couple of months. He bought $4 billion worth and now has like a double digit position. So why not Occidental? If you don't know what to buy, it, it's not a bad thing to follow in Berkshire Hathaway, right? OXY is the ticker there. It's trading at just seven times. Also, the dividend yield looks real small on that one. But remember, for all the energies, the free cash flow is going to be at record levels this first quarter. They haven't reported earnings yet as of uh, April 20th, 2022. They're not reporting until May. So I expect to see special dividends with a lot of these producers. So it's not showing up on Yahoo Finance. So keep that in mind. I, I know I keep repeating that, but people get freaked out. They go and they check the dividend yield and they're like, it's only paying 1%. What is Tracy talking about? But it's not only paying 1%. So keep that in mind. Also, I believe Berkshire still owns Chevron. They've been buying into that position the last year and a half or so. So ticker CVX. They're not being a genius. You don't have to be either. Um, also, in that replay from 2000s, I was mentioning the miners, and uh, I've been taking a look at that group again and adding some positions there. So a couple that I liked that I did used to own back in that decade, and they're still around because they're still the big guys. So the first one is uh, BHP Group. It used to be called BHP Billiton. It's uh, out of Australia or London. Uh, they might have spun off someone. I don't know what they're doing these days, but it's still ticker BHP. And they pay this nice dividend yield. Zach's is saying it's 7.7%. So that's not too shabby. They have, I believe, sold off some of their commodities plays. They might have spun off or sold off the energy, like the oil that gas side, and now they're just purely a miner of the metals. Um, so they were, uh, you know, more diverse when I owned them 15, 16 years ago or more, and now maybe a little less so. They have a PE of just 9.2, so they are still cheap, even though those shares are trading at, you know, their new or just about new 2022 highs. The other one I like that I did used to own back in the day as well, Freeport McMoran. I never know how to pronounce it. Is it McMoran? Is it McMoran? Um, it's still Freeport, still doing the same thing, still the largest copper miner or one of them, and they have the gold components. So they have a smaller gold mining uh, business, but it's still there. So if gold starts to move even higher than what it's at, that's just free cash for them. They're paying a dividend right now of just 0.6%, but that's on the rise. 
as the commodity price rises, they too will be adjusting that dividend. This is exactly what happened in the mid-2000s, by the way. They're trading at 13 times, but that's still pretty cheap with a peg of just 0.4 as those earnings estimates are on the rise. So, but again, I know some of you hate the miners, at least on this side, like the metals miners. Uh, There's reasons people don't want to be in it. I get it. Um, you might want to stick with the agriculture, but that is on the mining side too, if it's, if it's the potash, potash. But Mosaic is one of the winners there. The thing with the agriculture side with the fertilizers is there's very few, less than a handful of publicly traded fertilizer stocks. So if everybody wants to be in them, it's really going to be uh, pushing up those stocks, right, if we all want positions. So Mosaic, one of the big ones with Potash. Um, you also have Nutrien, which I own, and I own it in the value investor portfolio. NTR is the ticker there. They have both the nitrogen side and the Potash side there in Canada. And then you have CF Industries that's on the nitrogen side, and that's CF. Um, and then you have Intrepid Potash, IPI. They're smaller and they have a little bit different business model. They also have oil services. I've talked about them in the past. This one has been soaring too, because again, there's only really these four that you can buy that get you pure fertilizer plays on the ag side. So um, they're all still cheap because the earnings are rising. I have no idea what's going to happen this quarter. We're at record high prices on both nitrogen and the potash side. But is, has there been some demand destruction from the farmers? We don't know yet, but these earnings reports are going to be definitely ones to watch this quarter. So I just gave you a bunch of things that I'm expecting to work for the rest here of 2022. All of them are cheap on a PE basis because those earnings are on the rise. And even with the banks, the first quarter didn't reflect any of the rate increases yet, but the Fed is getting more aggressive and the banks are still the place I want to be. We're not in a recession and people are still borrowing. So that's also a good sign for the banks. And they are um, their balance sheets are pristine This going into this cycle here, this uh, Fed raising rate cycle. <laughs> Um, so I like the, the outlook for the banks. They have been in a bear market like some of these others for the last 13 or 14 years, but, uh, I believe they're coming out of it and this is going to be one area to watch, even though you may think it's boring, but those of us as value investors, we're used to things being boring, right? So I urge many of you to um, stop obsessing about the technology or the growth stocks. I know it's hard to do. I, I own some of them. I own some things, right? We all own them. But um, the focus really is on these other areas, really is on value, much like the early 2000s when the value investors were doing double-digit returns, even while the growth stocks and the NASDAQ continued to decline. So there are still winners out there, even in a growth stock sell-off. And us value investors, this is our time. And so it's time to get out there and get into some of these areas that are cheap, but have the good earnings outlook. 
So let me recap some of the tickers I mentioned again, because there were a bunch of them this time. So JP Morgan Chase is JPM, Bank of America, BAC, KeyCore, KEY, PNC, Financial, PNC, Comerica, CMA, Occidental Petroleum, OXY, Chevron, CVX, CVX is Chevron. BHP Group is BHP. And uh, Freeport McMoran, FCX. Then we mentioned the fertilizers. I tacked those on. Mosaic, MOS, Nutrien, NTR, CF Industries, CF, and Intrepid Potash, IPI. I think that's everything. Um, and as always, you want to be sure that you're getting all of the Value Investor podcasts because this is our time and things are happening. We're about to get the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting. I'm going to be watching it so that I can bring you a podcast about uh, what went on and my reflections on them returning to Omaha this year in a live uh, annual meeting, not just on Zoom. And uh, Charlie Munger is expected to be there too. He's, you know, nearly 100 and still going strong. So it should be an interesting annual meeting. And there's just a lot of other things going on on the value side. So make sure you get us somewhere. You can get us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, also Amazon Music. Uh, you can find us on Google as well, but get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.